So we're just going to uh, do a short service tonight. It's going to be 30 minutes, 45 minutes maybe, and um, just spend some time together on Good Friday. Thanks, guys, for coming out. It's good to see you. It's good to be seen, if only virtually. So we got the whole family involved tonight. <laughs> there it is. Don't worry. <laughs> Amy's doing a reading for us. James is turning pages for worship. It's nice to have a family affair, have everybody involved. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we do have an announcement. I'll, I'll probably repeat this at the end of the service because we might have more people online at that point. But uh, tomorrow, Saturday, uh, Jerry Lasky, who's the head of our children's department, she and Debbie Worthen put together some Easter baskets for our kids. Um, and so big, big thank you to them. And tomorrow, Saturday, from one to three, uh, they're going to be passing them out at the church. So if you have kids, um, come by the church. And I think the plan is right now we'll, that somebody will bring it to your car so you don't have to get out of your car. Um, but pl plans may update in the next 24 hours. And we're all used to that. So uh, tomorrow, if you have children, please stop by the church from one to three and we have little Easter baskets to give to the kids. And if you have like some neighbor kids that you wanna take a couple extra uh, bags for, then uh, please show up and, and we'll give you some extra ones to kind of bless your neighbors. Um, but we're very aware that we are not having an Easter egg hunt this year. And so we're trying to sort of just uh, give some love to the kids and maybe um, given their own little Easter basket. Uh, in lieu of that, I, all of this just makes me think that next year we have to have like this amazing, huge Easter. I think like next year to make up for everything, we need to do like twice as crazy, twice twice as big. You know, <laughs> if we had like 200 eggs last year, we got to do like 700 eggs next year at our Easter egg hunt. I think people are going to want to come out too. People will be tired of staying inside. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the feast to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate, knowing it was out of envy that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked him. Asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why, what crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, 
and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put on his own clothes. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he had died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph and Salmon. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. There's so many different emotions that are present with us um, on Good Friday, and I think present with us today. There's sadness, definitely. There's anger, there's frustration, disappointment, disillusionment. And it's uh, it's curious that a lot of the emotions that the disciples were feeling as Jesus hung on the cross, we find ourselves feeling today in our own circumstances, maybe some frustration, maybe some disappointment, maybe some disillusionment, maybe some sadness and some anger. It's natural to feel all those things. It's natural to feel all those emotions. It's very human of us. But part of the great difficulty of today is that the world is being pulled in so many different directions at the same time. We're pulled through crisis after crisis after crisis. And we begin to develop this emotional whiplash where our emotions are just being tossed back and forth. Through technology, we have the ability to mitigate our experiences to shape our own realities, that the emotional experience that we have is one of our own making. 
And oftentimes, I think we expect God to follow us into our emotional places. If I'm unhappy, I want God to meet me in my unhappiness. If I want to be happy, I want God to make me happy. I want to meet him in my happiness. And this is where the cross is so scandalous to us. It disrupts our lives with its ugliness, and with the force of its emotional ferocity, of its emotional reality. For those of us who would like to keep death at an arm's length, Good Friday is a dangerous holiday. We'd rather do without it. We'd rather not go to a Good Friday service. And tonight I'm going to be talking about just a few minutes about one specific emotion, and that is lament. Lament is act of grieving. It's allowing yourself the emotional freedom to grieve. Allowing yourself the emotional freedom to grieve, to be full of sorrow. In John 11, Jesus comes to the tomb of his good friend Lazarus. And here's what it says. I want to read to you. This is John 11, starting at verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? On Good Friday, we have an invitation from God to join Jesus at the tomb, to join Jesus at Lazarus's tomb as Jesus weeps, and to join Jesus at his own tomb. And just like Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus, we know that resurrection is coming. We know that Easter is on its way. We know Sunday will be here in just a couple of days. But just like Jesus, we find ourselves crying in spite of that reality. We know that these troubles are going to end. Everybody knows that this uh, trial that we're in right now will come to an end. There's going to be brighter days ahead of us. It won't always be like this. And yet at the same time, we're frustrated and anxious and sad and disappointed in this moment. Anyways, in spite of it, in spite of the reality that we know is coming. I remember the first time that I heard about someone who had died. It was I was really young and uh, it was actually a, a member of a, an acting troupe that I was a part of as a as a little kid. And I just remember being in the car and my mom telling me that uh, he had passed away. He had passed away from AIDS, which was uh, another disease, which back in that time period, we didn't know a lot about, which a lot of people were frightened of. And I remember crying and not even really understanding why I was crying. Um, I didn't really know him that well. We weren't really close friends, but there was just something about death that was so final. It was so harsh. Um, and the end of life was so hard that it made me cry. And we can be certain that Jesus's disciples are experiencing the same sorts of emotions as we do even today. When they see Jesus dying on the cross, the finality of that, the harshness of it, the reality of it beginning to sink in for them on Good Friday. On Good Friday, we're filled with grief. But it's not an empty grief. Standing here today, almost 2,000 years after Jesus's death, we have knowledge that Sunday and resurrection are coming, something which the disciples didn't have access to. It says that they figured out later, they remembered later after he had resurrected that he had told them he would. 
but we get to enjoy the reality that Sunday is coming. We have eyes to see what they could not. And also there's a bit of even happiness, even joy, even in our sorrow with the realization that Jesus's death has opened up a new and living way to the father as the author of Hebrews says. And I think about specifically one person for whom Jesus's death had an incredible, incredibly different meaning than it does for us. And that is the only human that Jesus literally died for, Barabbas. I think about Barabbas. Uh, I imagine he was a young man caught up in the insurrection and he had committed murder. Nobody really knows what led to that decision. Uh, if he was, it was a murder of passion or if he was caught up or if he was hanging around with the wrong people and gotten to the wrong crowd, or maybe it was premeditated. We don't know. All we know is that there was a man in prison who was scheduled to die. And when the time came for somebody to be released, Barabbas was released instead of Jesus. And sometimes we might look at that and say, wow, he obviously didn't deserve it as much as Jesus. But of course, none of us have deserved the fact that Jesus has died for us. All of us in some way are like Barabbas held in a prison cell with no reason to think that hope is coming. And every one of us can experience what Barabbas felt when they called him and said, hey, you're getting out of here. They're letting you go. And I imagine what his mother felt like watching him come back to her house or his wife and his children. That's what we get to experience on Good Friday as well. It's grief, but it's not an empty grief. It's a full grief, a grief that's full of hope. In the midst of our tears, we still get to hold on to our hope. We get to look forward to Easter. Every storm that comes leaves behind a calm that never would have happened if the storm hadn't first come. And every Good Friday is followed by an Easter. Knowing that there's a day when our battles are going to end, even this will pass. And we'll appear before God and he'll wipe every tear away from our eyes. The knowledge that at the end of days, at the very end, when we're there in his presence, we'll be able to embrace and love on and enjoy the presence of everyone that we can't now. I know that there's so many people that I would want to hug right now, but there's even more, I think, that I would want to hug that I'll never get a chance to do again until we reach heaven. And what a happiness that'll be. What a joy that will be. This trial that we're in right now, this separation that we have right now is nothing compared to the happiness and joy that we'll experience together there and even here in a short time. Knowing that we will hold our loved ones again because Jesus has died for us and Jesus has died for them. We have been released from prison. After every Good Friday, there's an Easter coming. And I hope also that you get to join us for Easter. Tomorrow or on the, yeah, tomorrow, uh, Saturday, we're passing out some uh, bags for Easter for the kids. If you have a kid or if you know of somebody who might benefit from it, come to the church between one and three uh, and pick up a basket, pick up a bag for Easter for our kids. Uh, and also on Sunday, on Easter morning, we have a sunrise service at 630 that we want to invite you to. And we hope that you come to it and enjoy it. We also have a 10 a.m. service. We have one more song that we want to sing.
before we say goodnight. But I want to pray with you before we do that. And then we'll sing our song and then we'll leave. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made on Good Friday. Lord, we recognize that our hearts are grieving at this time. Lord, we realize that the world is not right, that there's things that are wrong with this world. But we also know, God, that you have come to put it all right, that you have come to put it all back together again. And so I ask that on this Good Friday, we would be able to experience a full grief, not an empty grief, not the kind of grief that the world experiences, but the kind of grief that has hope as its base, that we can cry like you cried at the tomb of Lazarus. We can cry at your tomb like your disciples did. And yet at the same time in our hearts, hold the hope of Easter morning, hold the hope of resurrection, hold the hope of being together again. So God, give us strength in this time of separation that we can enjoy even more our time of communion together. We're going to sing one more song together.